Did you ever wish that you could have been in Jerusalem at the very moment when Jesus rose from the dead? Maybe even inside the cave? What was it like? Was there a brilliant flash of light? Was there a great noise? Did a million angels sing out? Would Jesus have stopped and looked at you and smiled? Huh. How about a little later when Mary Magdalene heard him call her name? Would you have loved to have heard him call your name? Or later that evening when the disciples, frightened behind closed doors, suddenly, with joy, discovered that they could reach out and touch him. How about a week later when Thomas cried out, My Lord and my God, wouldn't you have loved to have heard that? Wouldn't you like to have been one of the 500 who over the next month got to see Jesus alive with power after he was crucified, after he was pierced. We would all like to have been there for that exciting, glorious time. But why that time and that place? Because of who was there, of course. Jesus, risen from the grave. So I suppose the real question is, wouldn't you like to see Jesus? <laughs> to be with him, to live with him. Jesus, fully God and yet fully human, standing in front of you. But that should make us ask how is it that Jesus is fully God and yet fully human? <laughs> About 500 years before these events, God said the most amazing thing to the prophet Zechariah. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. They will look at God whom they have pierced and mourn over him. How do you pierce God? And what about the nature of God? God is spirit. Whatever nature spirit is, whatever substance spirit is, it's not material. It's not physical. You can't see spirit. You can't touch spirit. Or in any way, use our five senses to perceive spirit. So how do you pierce God? And God is also infinite, in particular for our discussion, infinite in location. He is fully present in all locations at all times. Move your hand through the air. You're moving your hand through God. Your heart beats every second through God. By the way, God is not spread out everywhere. It's not like peanut butter on toast. You know, spread out. It's this... God's 100% present in every location. Or, to say it another way, God does have specific location. It just happens to be every specific location. 
So you could say you pierce God anytime you pierce anyone. But certainly he does not mean that here. And another problem. God is also three persons. God is one as to nature and three as to persons. So how does that work? And these three persons all have the same nature, one of spirit. So we're back to our original conundrum. How do you pierce spirit? How could anyone pierce God? Could he mean, Ah, you have pierced me to the heart. Is this just a metaphor? Seems unlikely. This doesn't sound like any kind of figure of speech. Remember, they looked at him. And humans can't see spirit. Plus, the people around him, when he is pierced, mourn. And not in the way that you would if this was just a metaphor. Why would they mourn like this if it wasn't about really piercing him with a spear? You can't pierce a spirit in reality. So how do you pierce God? There is one way you could pierce God if one of the persons of the Trinity also took on a material nature, if that person also became a human being, took on a limited physical nature, limited in time, limited in power, limited in space, only one location at a time. So if the person of the Son, while remaining God in nature, also became human in nature, he could be pierced. In a real sense, God could be pierced. So we understand that the person of the Son put on human nature. Shall we say the human Jesus was personified by God the Son? Uh, His personality was the Son. He was the person of the Son. He really was. And in this human form, God was pierced. But the soldier pierced Jesus to prove a point that Jesus was dead. His body and spirit torn apart. Death itself is a metaphor for separation. In this case, separation of the body and the spirit. So the son no longer had a full human nature. But that, of course, is the excitement of Easter. He didn't stay dead. The person of the son, in his human nature, came back alive as a human being. But maybe some people are not entirely convinced by this. Because some people think that Jesus could not have come back as a human. He has to have been something else. They say this because they think that there is something inherently wrong with being human. Having a material nature is in and of itself a problem. And he is God. So his being human is somehow wrong. Oh, I mean, it was all right for a while so he could save us, but really, you have to have an end to this foolishness. Well, no. (laughs) There is nothing wrong in and of itself with being human, having a physical nature. Still not sure. 
Listen to what Jesus said to the disciples that first evening after he was risen. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Okay, so in his own words, we see that Jesus came back in his human nature, not just as God the Son in spirit appearing as a man, but really, truly a human being. God the Son in human form. But why? Well, yes, of course, to save us. Okay. But why was and is his human nature so important? Okay. You see, I said there's nothing inherently wrong with being human. That is true. As long as the human is Jesus. <laughs> he was and is perfect. Never did anything wrong. Never sinned. Ever. We, on the other hand, are inherently sinful. We naturally do evil. And there's no way that we can stand before a perfect, pure God on our own. Jesus explained it to his disciples that night and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This is fully explained in careful detail all through the Bible. But the short version is that we can be made perfect as he is perfect because he took our imperfections, our sins, on himself and died for them in our place. So we really will get to be perfect as Jesus was perfect because we have a relationship with him. And if we have a relationship with him, then we have a relationship with and to the Father. Paul wrote it this way, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So we get to be made perfect like Jesus, conformed to the image of his Son which makes it possible for us to have God as our Father. Now, don't misunderstand. We are not Jesus. <laughs> he is naturally perfect. We have to be made perfect. In John's record of the resurrection, we find that Mary calls him Lord. Then the ten call him Lord. Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God. John writes that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And yet Jesus condescends to call them my brothers. Listen to the instructions he gives to Mary. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Wow. <laughs> wow. Jesus is saying that in some way, his relationship with the Father in his human form will be mirrored in them and in us. 
And there's even more. John later wrote in a letter, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. One day, our physical bodies as well as our spirits will be made perfect in Him, like Him. And we will see Him. We will see the risen Christ. What He has done for us will allow us to be with Him. Now there's this problem. (laughs) We're still here in this fallen world. And this world is dying. Our whole universe is dying. And all of us in it. We need a new nature. A new creation. Perhaps it will not surprise you (laughs) to find out that God has plans for exactly that. John wrote, expressing a vision given to him of the end of all things. This, very good news. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And when this is done, we will hear, we will hear with John something even more glorious. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Everything will be made new. My favorite thing is that death passes away. I just think that's great. You see, one day we will hear him call our name. And all those who have placed their trust, their faith in the Son, will get a new nature. And we will be with Him. We will be able to touch Him. And when He smiles at us, we'll smile back. Because He will wipe away every tear. We will then be able to live a life like Jesus lives. To actually live life with Jesus. That's what Easter's all about. <laughs> but that day, that day's not here yet. We still have the tears, we still have the sin. But that first Easter really happened. <laughs> we are owners of that life like Jesus lives. Even though we don't have possession of it yet. We don't live with Him in that way yet. So it's good to remind ourselves of Jesus' resurrection on a regular basis, of course. Once a year at Easter, we're here, we're doing it. But we actually do it every day, every week, I mean. Sunday is the Lord's Day. The Jews worship God on the last day of the week, the Sabbath. But when they became Christians, they switched to Sunday. Because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The genesis of the new creation. 
So they celebrated his resurrection every Sunday, as do we. And three days before he rose, Jesus gave his disciples another way to remember his death and resurrection. And once a month, on the first Sunday of the month, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. Communion, we call it. All to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. But I want to give you something a little extra today. Do you remember that Jesus showed them his hands and his feet? Why did he do that? <laughs> well, of course, yeah, yes, that's right. He, he wanted to show them that it was really him and his human body, but why show them the stars? Why in particular the scars? What? To say it another way, why did he keep the scars? Obviously, all the other wounds he sustained, internal and external, were healed. Why not those scars? I believe he kept them for the disciples to see. I believe he kept them for us to see. A reminder that we will one day see and touch proof that he gave himself for us. And he will always be with us. We will forever experience life with Jesus. Throughout eternity, we will be able to see and touch those scars. You personally will be able to see and touch those scars. And there will be only one person with scars. The one we remember every Easter, every time we pray, every baptism we witness, every Sunday, every time we take communion. We weren't in the cave to see Jesus rise from the dead. Only Mary heard him call her name that morning. The frightened disciples shook alone when he suddenly came to banish their fears. I would have loved to have been one of the 500 whose eyes beheld him between his resurrection and his ascension. But that was not our lot. However, there will be a day when we, each and every one of us, will see Jesus. And like Thomas, we will be able to reach out and touch his scarred hands. We will know the cost and the glory of our salvation when we live life with Jesus. Father, thank you so much. Today is the greatest of days. Remembering Jesus. Remembering that you were willing to send him. He was willing to come. To add a human nature to who he is. And now eternally exists as God. And as a human being. Hmm. Amazing. Impossible for us to entirely understand, of course. But you gave us enough of a picture that we know one day, one day we will be able to touch him. <laughs> I don't know how I'll do it, Lord. It's an amazing thing. But you'll make even that possible. As we go through the troubles of this life, all we have to do is remember Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And he is now in a glorified body. He will one day give us glorified bodies that will last forever. 
No pain, no tears, no sin, no death. None of those issues. Our spirits made perfect, our bodies made perfect, and we'll get to be with Him for all eternity. We'll be able to see the scars. We will glorify You and glorify Your Son for what You did to make it possible for us to live forever. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at southbeachhope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture. <laughs>